welcome to Up Close and Virtual with me, Katie Tew. In each episode, I'll be joined by a guest where we'll be chatting about our experience of starting and running a business, the lessons that we've learned along the way. We'll be sharing our top tips and, of course, best practice. Expect to be entertained, enlightened and empowered. Happy listening. I'm delighted to be welcoming the very lovely Hannah Gray to Upglose and Virtual this week. Hannah Gray is the founder of the Office Management Group, a unique specialist consultancy and space for office and administrative professionals worldwide. Hannah has spent 20 years in the office management profession and throughout her career she's managed numerous admin and facilities teams as well as as, as suppliers so, sorry as well as supplier services contracts events and project management the office management group provide an online portal a place where management professionals can network and access information that saves them time and money. They launched an in-classroom training programme in 2021, God, the midst of the pandemic as well, aimed at professionals starting and progressing in their office management careers. They also have their own UK awards, the first to celebrate and recognise the office management professionals, as well as events running throughout the year. Underpinned by her core belief that office and office personnel are the backbone of any business, Hannah's mission is to support and ultimately empower professionals across all aspects of office operations. Hannah is definitely our superhero, all our lovely listeners out there. Hannah, take us back to the beginning and give us a sort of share of your journey and how you've got to where you are now, because it's a big career, it's a long career, and it's obviously had lots of facets. So give us a bit of a background. Mm, sure. And thank you so much for having me on, Katie. It's lovely to be here and be be a guest for a change. Um, so really looking forward to this. I started out uh, around the age of 18, 19. So I was at sixth form, had finished my A-levels and I was with my friend Jodie and she was like, what should we do? Should we go travelling for a year or shall we go and do like, look, I found this. It was an ILEX legal secretarial diploma that we yeah. could do in a year rather than the two-year course because we'd had the A-levels she's like what should we do and I was like oh I don't know and we debated on it for a few months and then for whatever reason decided to go to college instead of traveling and let it be known that I have never taken a year out to go traveling since um and so that was kind of my first glimpse of sort of secretarial roles as they were known back you know 20 years ago and you're that young to to really know what on earth you are gonna do I I struggled with it too so and funnily enough similar type of path I I did my A-levels failed them miserably and aim here on the secretarial college I, I remember, I think it was French, the entire class yeah. failed. 
we all got use. Um, but anyway, enough about that. <laughs> I know probably says more about the teacher, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, so I I went to to the college and then there was a competition um that the course were the was running to get a three week I think placement at Freshfields Brockers and Derringer in London, the, wow. the law firm. Wow. Um I think there were four places and I can't remember exactly what you had to do. I don't know if it was like the typing test or so I feel like it was something like that, like fastest and most accurate typing or something. Yeah. And I I was number one out of the four. So I was like bagged the first slot um to go and do the work experience. So it was only a few days a week. Um up there but they then offered me a job to to go wow. and be a legal secretary and I actually turned it down yeah. I didn't want to go to London to me at such a young age I live in Essex and always have done yeah um, and I wasn't quite ready for like tubes and things at that mm-hmm. that age so I got a job locally as a secretary for an estate agent so like branch secretary role so some office management in there like looking after printer contracts and teas coffees yeah. Yeah. we were allowed back then we were lucky if there was milk in the fridge let alone biscuits and lunches and things back then it was yeah. like we're have a pound for a bag of sugar as well aren't we <laughs> exactly like we had asbestos at one point and all sorts of things going oh, on. but wow. um oh. I loved it but it was like 11 and a half grand a year um, and I just thought, oh, I should be earning a bit more than this. So a year in, I decided to leave, went and got a job somewhere else for 12 grand a year. Like the <laughs> 500 pounds made that much difference. <laughs> and that company was like a loans company in Southend and they were a sinking ship. And they offered me promotions when I resigned to be like the PA to the CEO. But I still said no. And Abbott's, the estate agents had asked me at this point to go back and be the head of all the secretaries. So there were 20 secretaries across 19 branches. So at this point, I'm like 20 or so years old. And um, yeah, they gave me a company car, they put me on 16 grand. So I had this massive pay rise suddenly, and a car. So I then had two cars. (laughs) My parents hated. I mean, it was lucky we had this massive driveway because uh, the house we lived, because my parents yeah, were like, why have you got two cars now? But anyway, um, and then I was like IT manager. I did some marketing and I was PA to the three regional managers, as well as managing and training and hiring all the branch secretaries. So at a very young and age, just was thrown into a this massive job. Yeah, yeah it was huge amount of work. Yeah, but I loved it. I mean, this was in the days of like dial up internet, you know, where if someone needed to send a fax, we'd have to unplug the secretary's computer, like cable, like the Ethernet for a second. But I was coding like our programs and rolling out our new software from going from DOS, black and white screens to like Windows. Yeah, Mm. yeah, yeah. I do. I I, I remember it vividly. Yes. (laughs) We didn't quite have, you know, typewriters, but we had DOS and we had like um foot pedals for all the audio typing yeah. for all the property details and all that so for anyone listening who's thinking what the hell is DOS it's showing that I have been in this profession for 20 years which feels mad but yeah so all of that happened and I knew eventually I did want to go into London um at some point but wasn't ready for it still so I think in my mid-20s I finally went up took a team assistant role for a real estate firm kind of connecting the dots with the estate agency I guess there and then again I just was like promoted and got involved in like an office move project um just put my hand to anything that they needed help with I was on the social committee 
um, just just did any and everything I could to feel accountable and responsible and like I was making an impact. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, yeah, and I always thought the office manager's role looked really interesting. Um, she's she wasn't the happiest or most approachable person, let's just say, which I think is very different to office managers nowadays. But that's when I first really saw that role and thought mm. I want that and then I got a bit more intentional about getting it so I applied for jobs um, like JP Morgan was the one I ended up getting where I was the PA to the office management team and like the backup PA to the CEO and COO of EMEA JP Morgan so huge wow. important wow. And that's massively impressive <laughs> Yeah, it's quite it's quite a journey, isn't it? Um, and again, like ING tried to keep me, like Abbott's tried to keep me, even Waitrose, where I worked part time whilst I was at college, tried to keep me and train me as a branch secretary, <laughs> a branch um, manager. Sorry, um, the head they sent the head of HR down. So there was something people kept seeing in me. I didn't really see myself, and it took a long time. And so, um, yeah, JP Morgan, I was promoted three months in to be an office manager instead of. PA and it just I found it from there and just fell in love with the role and fast forward a few years realized "Mm." you must be quite tough and quite resilient because investment banking is no environment for a shrinking violet no taught me yes to have massively thick skin several layers of jackets of thick skin actually um I did actually go through a period of stress I had a bit of a breakdown there um truth be told that impacted my health it impacted my bladder and my stomach Mm. um and I had to take some time out and see occupational health Mm. and it wasn't long after that that I left and went to RBS but you know I was working 9 9 30 in the morning till sometimes 2am was like the latest I worked you and I look sound as if we've been sort of I don't know born from the same cloth peas in a pod um I worked in investment banking um for a a, a wee while and I worked in um in an internal audit so probably the least popular department of any investment bank in the whole world um and I found it really stressful I, I mean I loved it but there were also times when I found it really stressful. But I was, crikey, I was still in my very early 20s then. So I guess probably a little more ignorant to it, I think, probably. I think I probably mm. just sort of brushed it off and didn't really look after myself terribly well during that period. But I totally understand how it will have impacted your life like that. And I remember those late nights. I mean, yeah, sell yourself, soul to the devil. What was the sort of inspirational moment then for you to kind of switch from that lovely, comfortable, reliable, employed position to taking the leap into the world of being self-employed and running your own business? Because that's a massive step. Yes. So I had the idea for five years before I did it. So the, the switch was JP Morgan to RBS. So there, the first sort of seed was sown at RBS when I went in as like a dual role. So I was an assistant again, which was a bit of a sidestep, one of my probably only career regrets, really, mm. an office manager role. And I was helping and teaching the other dual office managers um, how to 
be an office manager and how to run office moves and like they had a hybrid well they had a hot desking model in place there because they were shutting down lots of buildings yeah um yeah. and no one could really get their head around the ratios and things so I was showing everybody and I set up spreadsheets to help us calculate it and processes for joiners leavers and all sorts and I then was seeing like HR consultants coming in in strodes and then like compliance consultants IT consultants and we're paying them loads of money mm. at a point when that bank did not have much yeah and I was like well surely if there's consultants in these professions then there should be a space for an office management type consultant because it's such a broad role mm. um so it was first then and then I moved to two other companies in a fully fledged office manager role where there were smaller companies one again being an investment bank one being like a spread trading business so both in finance fairly corporate still but one was like a global head of facilities office management role yeah. huge responsibility um Are you traveling with you know, that as well yeah yeah and like 10 million pound budgets and things like that team to manage um in both in both businesses and predecessors to me hadn't failed or hadn't done anything wrong necessarily mm-hmm. but there were just things that they should have been doing that they either didn't know they should be doing or they just didn't know how yeah so and it, so it, it grew yeah. yeah yeah it grew from there and I was like and I started talking to people about it at City Index before I left because I was headhunted to the next firm and then I turned it down and they came back for me six months later and said we still not found anyone we want as much as you please consider and I was like, well, if I'm that much in demand to go and sort an office out, then maybe this is the thing. And then there were just some things in my last role at Berenberg, where I last was permanently, that weren't ideal. Mm-hmm. I suppose what you would call like failed promises and yeah. politics. And I was just a bit sick of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like a push and a pull to finally take that leap mm-hmm. into the world of the unknown and... Um, the, the self-employed running a limited company brave. without without any clue really as to how to so do it. Brave. Seven years later, we're still here. That's amazing. That really is amazing. Did you have anybody that you kind of lent in on to help you do all of the setting up of your business? You did. Yeah, a few people. So there was a an HR consultant at RBS that I stayed in touch with. Um, I think her name was Claire. And I went for lunch with her before I before I'd left RBS um, and then when I was ready to set it up and, and talk to her about it and she gave me some advice and information about consultancy rates and how to kind of figure out your rate card and stuff um, and then the lawyer that we our commercial contract lawyer that we had at City Index I I know her name was Claire actually so the other lady may have been Claire as well or, I, I'm, or I'm making it up but um, both Claire's maybe but she said to me when you do this because and she was she was very supportive and believed in me and she was like you're going to do this one day and when you do come to me and I'll write your contracts for you and she did I went to her and she did yeah so there were a few people around it's amazing how those connections that you make can be so incredibly helpful um, people generally I think are very generous with their time and their knowledge um, particularly if you make a, a sort of personal connection I guess um, you know that it's that whole thing isn't it you know keep in touch with the friends that you make on the way up because you never know <laughs> you might need them when things are a little bit more challenging yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> talk to me about yeah. the portal because I think this is really clever tell us a little bit about the portal and how it works so yeah so the the portal came 
uh, well, the idea for it a year or so into having the business. So I was just doing consultancy, like training and project management, procurement exercises, health and safety audits and policy creation and things. And I had a lot of clients saying to me, do you know of any networks, office managers, or um, who do I use for cleaning? Who do I use for coffee machines? Who do I use for fit out? And so I had this huge black book, as you can imagine, for many years doing it, where I would be happy to refer contacts on. Um, But also I had people from RBS that I'm still friends with now, or people from Berenberg that were assistants messaging me saying Han do you remember that process you set up at RBS for our joiners and leavers and travel can you send it to me because they don't have anything here at Vodafone where I am now or um Han I'm an office manager now do you remember me from Berenberg I was one of the assistants how do I do this job and I was like I can't freaking write that on like a an email like it's quite a big <laughs> this is how you be an office manager in one paragraph not possible so even um, with that GPT you could never get it down to that no you really couldn't chat GPT really doesn't get it still I need to educate it on what an office manager does but um I so it gets all these again it's like with the idea for the consultancy it was seeds where my brain I think my brain is entrepreneurial geared like when I was younger I was I saw my old neighbors the other day we used to live in this cul-de-sac and I used to like basically sell anything I could possibly sell to them when I was like eight nine ten so you know lemonade but also I would press mum very much into a gardening so roses or um you know little pansy petals and things and just press them and I got like a kit from Toys R Us to do it and sell them perfumes and all sorts of crap like yeah, that. You um, have got that entrepreneurial spirit, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, they reminded me the other day and they were like, it's no surprise you run your own business now. So, yeah, so I think it just, it, you know, the creative ideas, the creative juices never really stop in my head, mostly when I'm sleeping, it seems. But so I just thought, OK, well, if I create like a page on my website where I've got all these suppliers and recommendations of people I would use, and then maybe just have a little bit of a, let, a login and then they can chat to each other and create a network. Then um, maybe I'll just put some tips or templates on there as well. And then my sister, who, God love it, is a researcher for a profession, did market research for me. So we did surveys and she analysed it for me and helped put it into all these wonderful facts and figures. And it was like 88% of 110 office managers around the UK that we surveyed said they would like a dedicated portal platform for their profession. And that's that kind of hinted at what it might be. Need, isn't it? That, that yeah. Be- so I was like, okay. So I grabbed 20 grand um, from my, I just sold my flat um, and had moved in with my then partner yeah. and had the equity and I grabbed 20 grand of it and built the portal and made the return on investment in our first year thank god yeah. so <laughs> yeah it came from there it came from demand like people uh, talking to me and going hey so if I was to sort of just is it a membership thing or is it a subscription thing or is it just mm. just pay as you go both so there's two options so there's a free version and you get access to all sorts of things within that like tips news updates um the supplier director as we call it a forum a private slack group events jargon buster webinars um benefits discounts all sorts of stuff like that and then we have a payable version call it our premium membership which is for unlimited downloadable templates there's 300 templates from office moves and like project managing those scoping out 
real estate agents and landlord conversations all sorts of things budgets and then like move packs welcome packs for when they actually move into the space to stationary tendering sheets with all sorts of crazy formulas in that I used to use to coffee cleaning tendering things like shed loads of health and safety stuff that's our biggest section from risk assessments to policies to training slides HR bits facilities management there's there's over 300 we add two new ones every month and then we do a monthly masterclass with me or another expert um on a sort of deep dive onto a topic again like maybe managing an office move yeah. or like one of November's about procurement um health and safety they love the health and safety ones the group um, I was gonna say but, I yeah. health and safety is is absolutely a hot topic all the time and I suspect that never changes no most popularly down or most popular downloaded template covid risk assessment yeah Yeah. april may 2021 2020 yeah thanks pandemic yeah exactly yeah i didn't charge much for it though stupidly oh hannah 10 pounds for the and that was just my biggest yeah second biggest regret in business um the first being I wish I'd started a Facebook group or something before I actually set it up. But um, yeah. yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things you think are oh, just I always find it hard to value yourself and like oh. how much what you're worth. I, I kind of say it's it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. I um I have been notoriously bad about my own charging for far too long. And about 18 months ago, my accountant who I have to say is just he's he is a really honest lovely friend now took me to one side having done my accounts for that year and said you've got to sort your pricing out and I'm like well Tim I can't it's just me no he said I've had enough of this I watch all of your billable hours and see how much you're charging and he said you're doing yourself a massive disservice and I, I'm not brave enough. Anyway, he said, no, you are. And he really forced my hand. And I haven't just made so much of a difference to my business as a result. But I couldn't have done that without his push. Um, I knew in my heart that I probably wasn't charging the right amounts. But I just didn't have the confidence, the self-belief to think that people would continue to work with me at a massively increased rate. And I couldn't have been more wrong. And I am forever grateful for my very lovely clients who've stuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the clients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I put my rates up. Love them. Bless. It's a hard one. Like I put my rates up, I think, so last year at some point. And there's that fear. But, you know, I said to them, like, it's the first time I've ever put my rates up. And they're like, no, it's fine. Like, And, yeah, the response you get actually isn't what you probably fear it will be. So it it's important. It really isn't. It's that, it's, it, it is, it's that classic, you know, going to bed at night, it's dark, and you see demons where they literally don't exist. But uh, until you go through that process, you never gain that element of self uh, self um self got confidence that you get after because it is it is such a boost it really is such a boost I mean none of us need be greedy because mm. that will be very obvious too but at the same time you know know what your know what your competitors are doing I think is the is the bottom line you know if if other people are selling 
things online, see what they're charging, you know, make sure that you are absolutely at the top of that. The experience you've got, Hannah, my God. I mean, yeah, (laughs) definitely charging a premium. Just come back to the business a little bit and tell us a bit more about the sort of the office management group on a day to day. What's the sort of core elements of the business? You know, what do you cover and, you know, how has it evolved, I guess, because it must have evolved over the years because you've been doing it for a wee while now. Uh, I mean, a typical day, it's much like being an office manager still. Yeah, there is no such thing. Um, I could be working on a client project like today. I have had a call about someone's health and safety documentation and I've created about 12 documents for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so how they're going to now roll that out. I have had some emails and planning on office moves. I've had calls with some of our partners on the portal about how they can get more exposure and doing events with us. Um, Yeah, many calls with my assistant to to thrash out what we need to do next. I've had emails about recruitment that we do for office managers. We've talked about the awards today, social media planning, email marketing planning. Um, Yeah, that's just been today, I think. All, all sorts of things so I've got like my consultancy clients where I can do any and everything around an office management role for them from health and safety to office moves to procurement um one-to-one training and coaching um I do like reviews of how office operations are and then yeah. go in and propose and help shape it to a better state um which I've done with the NHS lately um up north or in the Midlands and then there are other things in and around that like I said recruitment and things so that's in itself is quite a complex business with the many streams that we do then I have the portal and there's many elements to that so yeah our members our paid members and then our partners and we generate revenue from our partners um as well and we run events as part of that upload templates do these master classes general day-to-day chat on slack and it's a whole host of stuff there and then the awards, which we are now going to do for 2024. I was on the fence about whether to do it again next year or take a break, but we're doing it. Um, that's huge. Sit down, dinner for three uh, for 200 people. Awards are hard work. I'll just leave yeah, it there. I bet they are. I bet they are. Funny enough, where, so where, where did the awards come from? What was the motivator for putting the awards in place? Uh, you're going to think I'm even more insane now than you maybe do, but I had, I had my son. It's not crossed my in... mind once in this conversation, <laughs> I can assure you. <laughs> so you had your son in 2019. So the awards, yeah. don't tell me that the awards were as a result of having a baby. Well, yes and no. So it was November, so a few months later, I was feeding him at two in the morning and I just sat there thinking, hence the creative juices don't stop. What else can I do for this profession? So I had the portal that launched in 2018, had the consultancy that was going very well. What else can I do? And we were doing networking events as part of the portal and stuff. And so I thought, and I wrote it down on my phone whilst like feeding him awards and then like the objectives of it, training course, group training course and office management show so like our exhibition and conference and came up with the three ideas in one at two in the morning and because he had really bad reflux like acid reflux so Mm. you feed him takes like 20 minutes or so to feed 
and then I had to sit him up for sort of 30 40 minutes so I had an hour or so yeah and I would just sat there and wrote everything down as to like my initial ideas for the three new streams and then yeah we launched the awards in July 2021 was when they we had the first ceremony right when lockdown had like come back how the hell did you do that right in the middle I don't know that is incredible I mean, I wasn't I joking. I wasn't joking at the beginning when I introduced you as our superhero. I mean, that is extraordinary, Hannah. Then I moved three times, <laughs> so that was a bit stressful. <laughs> I remember that, um, and I remember saying because they did a standing ovation at the end, which was wonderful um, and and well deserved. Yeah, it was it was lovely. But yeah, in my speech, I said something like. I'm really looking forward to next year because it'll be like a damn sight easier than this year to sort out <laughs> or something like that because of the moving of the dates and trying to, you know, where you've got a hundred odd people that have already bought tickets and you have to keep moving a date and try and fit in with everybody's requirements to like try and retain that revenue. And yeah. Yeah. But I, I said to people on the night, like I am the most at risk slash like deadliest person to touch and kiss right now because every single person in this room is coming up and giving me a hug and a kiss <laughs> and it, like so you're all <laughs> like, just, I'm like exactly yeah um but it, honestly people just let their hair down one I think because of the type of people in the room office managers incredible people but two because it was the first time so many people had been out and got pissed and danced the night away and yeah it was just brilliant so very very memorable occasion so I suspect all of those lovely people who were there on the first would keep coming (laughs) it's it's a great party Hannah's award ceremony obviously (laughs) yeah there's a number that have been every year 2024 is kind of in the planning and what categories do you include in it Hannah or does it change every year or do you very much stick to the same principles prior to so I, I always believe in evolution and evolving. So we added culture um, and sustainability champion for this year's awards um, for 2023. So that will continue next year because that's something I'm passionate about. We plant a tree for every member in the portal. We've planted nearing 4,000 trees in total now. Um, so it's important to me and the future of you know people like my son. Yeah. Um, we have newcomer. That will always be there because I think you need to recognise the new people into the profession and empower them um, and celebrate them uh we have hybrid so people that are in like a mixed office manager PA role for example or HR office manager or finance office manager role um and then we have office manager of the year the biggie international office manager of the year um and our winner this year Sakina Barr actually came over from France just by chance she booked tickets and um, brought her friend not knowing she'd won and when I saw she booked tickets I was like oh my god the international winner's coming and she had no idea um, but it was brilliant oh. so yeah save me save me on postage having to send the, the trophy halfway around the world <laughs> um, but yeah so we have that what else do we have oh project of the year manager of the year and then we have a few categories for suppliers to recognize the yeah. suppliers that help our businesses that's run. nice because that's a real give back isn't it I mean, because based in on your role and what you're doing to recognise those suppliers, I think is is a really nice touch. I think that's a, that's an essential element actually to any of those kind of awards things. 
what are the biggest sort of challenges that you're facing in terms of that sort of office stroke management role? For most people at the moment, it is this hybrid working element. So from a health and safety perspective, it's introduced a number of challenges, problems, issues, because balancing things like fire marshals and first aiders to be there at all times when you don't know who's actually going to be there is very difficult. Mm -hmm. But then also understanding things around like pat testing to get quite technical and if you give people equipment to be at home, you need to somehow get that checked and tested regularly. Um, then also like desk assessments and the balance of what do you what do you give to staff that are working from home by choice two days a week, for example, when they have actually got an office they can work in and trying to educate office managers around that when actually this is new for me as well. I'm still navigating what might be the best way so people look to you when I think you're in a position of responsibility I suppose for the profession and like someone once said to me like you're spearheading it you're representing it and all these things people look to you to be the be the advisor so for me personally that's been a challenge where I don't always really have the answer and I don't know and I'm not in an office all the time anymore um do you have your own yeah I think No, I work from home in Essex and um, I'm in London two, three days a week, depending on what's going on. So it's just because I'm always at client offices or training or traveling. Yeah, it's it's full on. So one day I would love to have my own office in London. Yeah. And like a proper training room set up where because I teach people Mm -hmm. about like the building structure and how it's carved up so like I'd love to show them what it looks like below the floor and all the cabling and teach them all these different things and like carve the ceiling out and show them all the electrics and the aircon units and all the technical stuff in facilities management and have it and then have it as like the best practice place to run an office with different things and options. That sounds like a brilliant idea and I think also it's that thing of if people come to you it becomes much more efficient for you. Mm-hmm. yeah definitely, definitely. when people come to you rather than you having to travel left right and center um because that's always yeah. time consuming and constraining as well and mm-hmm. has has the sort of pandemic very definitely changed the office environment for good forever or do you think we will actually in due course just be back to full time in the office I don't think everybody will be back full time ever forever um, it is that not one size fits all approach. So for some businesses and certainly in some businesses for certain departments, they need human contact and collaboration that cannot be replaced by AI technology, avatars or any of this stuff, the metaverse. It, it just cannot replace. And I don't think it's healthy to either replace physical human interaction um as someone was saying to me the other day you don't get the 4d experience you can't get scents and smells always sometimes it's not good smells I appreciate but all, all that learning by osmosis I mean all of that stuff that you and I did by working with big corporates you know we learned the good stuff from the people that we really looked up to and respected and we learned an awful lot about how not to behave by the idiots who we just yeah. didn't have two seconds for 100%. the younger generation that you know the guys who are starting out in the their careers now I think are really missing out on that Mm. and the the social element of being in an office full-time you know there is 
God, I've still got friends from those first days back at going to the office, you know, and that I will, they will be my friends forever. Um, mm. And they will have missed out on that. So I think there is a... Yeah. I'm hearing about um, a lot of people who are in their early 20s, fresh out of uni, into roles, worked from home, got work from home contracts, mm. and are now looking for new jobs, whatever reason, and they're being asked to go in two days a week or whatever it might be. And they've got genuine fear and anxiety. Um, And it's a really bad place for humans, first and foremost, to be, but for a younger generation to be, because mental health is enough as a struggle as it is. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't enforce them to come in. I think we got it wrong when we didn't actually have even like a one day a week policy to get people back in, you know, um, I think it was the press that were accountable for a lot of that, this whole kind of the office is dead and Google have sent everyone home and they'll never yeah. have to come in again. Like so then it was like, really yeah, really, they created really this thing. Dangerous. Yes, they were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, as always, very, you know, irresponsible, accountable for these things. And then any office or company that then said, we do want you in, was like the big bad wolf and actually my view is if you work for somebody like if one of my clients said we want you to come here I would absolutely go because otherwise I don't get paid otherwise I don't fulfill the needs of my client and I don't see that it's any different for an employer mm-hmm. an employee to an employer to to conform with flexibility if you don't need to be there all the time but mm-hmm. I think there's a balance to be struck mm-hmm. so no I don't think it will go back to that but I think we are seeing people recognizing and and now we're starting to see right the results of what the pandemic did to the businesses and what this hybrid model is doing so people are starting to see profit loss productivity sickness people aren't reporting sick leave or mental health issues because they're just at home and they're just hoping by kind of logging on every so often and that's not good if you're no. ill you're ill you log off you don't log in just because you can um so i think barriers and boundaries are being breached constantly and the impact well. of that is being very people are being very short-sighted about that you know the impact of that means that actually those of your staff who are behaving like that are ultimately going to burn out and 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 there is no other way of being a, being able to wrap that one up. You know, they are working as long as they have been and they're not looking after themselves and they are going to hit burnout. So I think employers need to be much more responsible about the general well-being. And, you know, the the, the kind of, you know, if you are sick, you turn your computer off and you put your feet up. You know, I think we've got to be much more we've got to be much more aware of looking after our staff just because it's out of sight. They're not, you know, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. And that is not going to wash. It's not going to last long term. I say this a lot, like in the, in the training where there's a few things here. So one, if you can't see your staff coming in every day, like you would have done pre COVID in most businesses, because I appreciate some were hybrid or remote before COVID. But if you can't see them every day, like say, for example, I worked for you, and I was due in at nine and we sat next to each other on our bank of desks by 10 o'clock. If I hadn't turned up, what would you be doing? Calling my mobile, calling my next of kin. Yeah, How does Hannah get in? Is she OK? But at home, if we're not doing like a daily morning check in with our staff, how do we know they're OK? Especially if they live at home alone. So there I isn't mean, that like safeguarding element and, and responsibility and duty of care. Um but then also in, like you say, this kind of mental health element where 
again, if we're sat next to each other, again, you're my boss, and I'm tearful, you'll be able to see I'm tearful. And you'll be like, are you okay? Do you want to grab a coffee? You can't do that. And also, if I'm sitting there coughing my guts up, you would go, Hannah, go hey. home. <laughs> Off you go. I'll pay for you. Like, I've had it where people have said, I'll pay for your, your taxi to the station or the whole way home yeah. because you're that unwell. Go home. Mm-hmm. And because you come in, you're like, I don't, you know, I'm so young. I don't want to, don't want to upset you because you're JP Morgan or whatever. Like, I'm going to come in. And they're like, go home. You know, and you can't see that. I'm very lucky I've got one really fabulous client um, who they they were actually moving to a sort of remote business practice before the pandemic and had actually got all of their sort of infrastructure in place to be able to do that. So when the pandemic hit, they were kind of already sorted. But we have this brilliant system, which is largely managed through teams, but if somebody's supposed to be online online and they're not online, then there is a sort of signal to make sure that they're okay. And I that makes I think a huge difference. It's that whole thing of just keeping an eye and making sure. Um, and it really does make for a, a really tight remote working team. Um, and it works really nicely. So if anybody is looking for some hints and tips on that, then teams making sure that you know the rule is you're online unless you are not online and if you're not online somebody will check in and just make sure that you're okay absolutely yeah that's the same really teach. and yeah. it's not like a big brother thing it's no. not like oh you're not online are you working it's a duty of care over yeah. somebody's it's, health yeah, and well-being yeah. Yeah. lovely we're kind of sort of getting to the end now we've been rabbiting away quite merrily for for a wee while <laughs> but i'd love to know if you were sitting in front of somebody now who was thinking about setting up their own business, not necessarily within office management, but just setting up their own business, what piece of advice would you give them based on your kind of experience of setting up and running your own? I would say a couple of things. First and foremost, if you are thinking of setting up anything, especially where you want some sort of community or network where you're going to help people en masse, I would either tap into an existing network or create your own some months before you take that leap so that you have a Facebook group or a LinkedIn group or whatever it might be so that you've started to gather a network that will either help you run your business from an operational advisory standpoint or help you get ahead when you launch certain things in your business. And that might be your offer, your whatever. Um, Second thing I would say is turn and tune out the noise when I set up my business I had a lot of people mostly men I'll say telling me what I should be doing how I should do it and some of it was useful some of it most of it really wasn't because it was so overwhelming Mm. and such an over like you should join this you should do this you should go on this website you should take this template you should do like you know you should think about this sales pipeline you should do a customer journey you should do a customer avatar it was massively overwhelming ah yeah exactly like it was it was like that and so don't listen to everybody which sounds like a weird thing to say but you you physically and mentally cannot so I used to just go home after going to these networking things and write down a few notes and I would then look at it and reflect sleep on it and I would go right that one resonates with me or none of them do so I'm going to completely ignore it yeah um and there's a lot of that yeah don't don't let don't let that noise plague you because it can do and it it can as you quite rightly say it becomes overwhelming and I think 
once you start when you start talking to people about it you'll quite quickly tune into those that you really trust or what they are saying to you consistently resonates and feels like great advice and then what you tend to do is you lean you know get get closer to them and sort of you know forge a relationship where you can kind of bounce ideas and things off I think that's really really good advice really good advice where do you see your business in five years time oh well <laughs> I've got demand yes yeah you were make it more I suppose make me more accessible in some ways if we're going there but do events in Dubai America Australia Spain France Brazil South Africa to name a few that have asked me when are you going to do events here I've got demand from people in Manchester and Bristol and Scotland and Ireland ask me when I'm going to do things there first I need to sort the UK out (laughs) and then we will my my mission long term is to have people like me in countries around the world representing the network hopefully working with us and go and launch bit by bit around the world and get some traveling in finally (laughs) and I have absolutely no doubt in my mind whatsoever that that will be (laughs) anything other than the truth and the fact and in five years time Please invite me to come to your one of one of your events in Dubai. I'd do that. Oh yeah. <laughs> I will. <laughs> yeah, when I reach millionaire status, I'll fly you out on business for free, Katie. There you go. Brilliant. Gosh, yes, there's the one podcast down and I'm already getting freebies. I love it. Excellent. Hannah, you have been a absolutely fantastic guest. I knew you would be. It's always lovely to talk to people with a slightly different sort of spew on their kind of working life. And you've been a joy to talk to and massively knowledgeable. So thank you so, so much. All of your contact details will be in the show notes for the listeners to be able to reach out to you. So if anybody has got any of those office management challenges, issues, projects, processes that they literally can't get their head around. Hannah is totally your person to reach out and get in touch with. Hannah, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to follow me and my guests on our social channels. All the details will be in the show notes. And please get in touch if you have any questions or topics that you might like to have covered in the next episodes, or even if you would like to be a guest yourself.